0: Because of the holiness of Almighty God. Come on and celebrate the fact that He is holy. He is in this place. We want to welcome all of our campus locations who are joining us in this moment. And I want to say something very important. We all agree that God is holy. The Bible says, be ye Holy, therefore, as I am holy. So we can clap and celebrate the holiness of God. But I'm just wondering today if you can get in your mind this kind of biblical worldview, if you will. This biblical vision that yes, God is holy. But by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can be holy. Now, now notice the clap. The first one was like yeah the second one was like i guess so and i can't help but make the connection here that when you think about the series that we're in grit as you become grittier i think this is what paul was saying to young timothy in second timothy as you become grittier you become holier Who's ready for the word today? Come on now. Who's ready for the word today? All hands bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray together if we will. Father God, thank you for the gift. It really is a gift that by the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, oh God, we can experience this, this transformation, God, this sanctification where we are no longer our old selves, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we actually become more and more and more like Jesus. And in doing so, God, we get to tap into your holiness. We get to become holy. People get to encounter you in and through us. So, Father God, as we keep studying 2 Timothy today, as we humble ourselves, God, before the authority of this book, this ancient text, this this book that we believe, oh God, that I believe, is nothing less than the authoritative word of God. As we dig into your word today, God, and as Paul gives us these incredible images to help us in this process of sanctification, God, I would be so bold to ask that you would transform us. I would be so bold to ask, oh God, that when we leave today, as we sing songs and we hear your word and we apply them to our lives, I would be so bold to ask, oh God, that we would leave changed to different than when we came. Peter would say that once you were not a people, but now you are a people. You are a holy nation, a priesthood. God, let us never, ever play church. Let us never just show up for entertainment. God, let us never come and and think even for a moment that we're an audience. God, we worship and we come before the word, before an audience of one, and that is you. Holy Spirit, fall on this place today. Fall on this place, oh God, and change us. We pray it in the powerful, strong name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, yeah, come on. Before you're seated at all of our locations, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, I see a little holiness in you. Go ahead. I see some holiness in you. Go ahead. You You can be seated after that. Some of you are like, dude, I'm sitting beside my spouse, and you just asked me to lie. No, 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 you just might need some corrective vision. Amen, married people? No, y'all aren't sure how to respond. It's all good. Hey, I just want to welcome, I know I just welcomed them, you know, in one stroke, but the online church, for those of you who are watching online, we're so glad you're here. For the Kenya campus, the Durham campus, Columbia campus, Hillsborough campus, yeah, Hillsborough campus, Wake Forest campus, Sanford campus, and Garner campus. We are one church in many locations, and if you're a guest at any of our campuses, what that means is we are just connected at all of our campuses. We are a new hope with one clear mission, which is to reach, teach, and release, and we are excited that you are here. Everybody go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Timothy And if you have not downloaded our app yet, I really encourage you to. It's a place where you can take notes. You just go to the app store, put in the church name, put in my name, whatever you wanna put in, that app will pull up. It has the teaching notes there. Or if you're old school and you got the teaching notes in your hand, grab that pen right in front of you and we're about to go get it. First of all, I just wanna honor. I just wanna honor and celebrate the core worship arts ministry at this church. They... And you might be thinking I'm honoring them because they just lead us in worship because we do that sometimes. And they're just great. They do that every single week. But yesterday, they had a conference here. They had a core conference here. And all of the staff and all of the volunteers from all of our campuses uh, in the worship arts ministry, adult worship celebration, uh, descended here on the Durham campus. And they had a conference where they did training and teaching. And it was all under the core behavior of Make It Better and i'm just so proud of them because it's those kinds of events that can really take our ministry any ministry area around here to the next level. Can i get an amen? amen? Jennifer Rice sent me a text yesterday. Jennifer is at our Hillsboro campus. She's been with us a long time. She goes, "Wow, oh wow. I attended the core conference today and it was great. My sessions were amazing. We learned so much and covered a ton of material in that short time. I laughed, I cried, laughed some more. A beautiful time to meet new people and see old friends. Can we just celebrate all of our worship ministries at all of our campuses? Last thing, and then we're going to jump right in. This Friday night is the Rooted Celebration, the final Rooted Celebration. We have a lot of people who've just made it through the Rooted Discipleship class. Um, It is this weekend on Friday night. We will have baptisms. So if you're in Rooted, we're gonna have great food. We're gonna have baptisms. We're gonna celebrate An unbelievable first semester of Rooted. And so I just wanna say to the rest of you, and if you're in that, don't don't miss it. I wanna see you on Friday night. But for the rest of you who did not get in, because we had to close it off, you might remember. We filled up all the spots. Registration is now open for the January semester. And Rooted is a 12-week discipleship journey where you do life with other people, you get into the word of God on a weekly basis for 12 weeks and you study the scriptures and you say, you know what? I'm going to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a little bit of that holiness that I was just talking about. So you don't wanna miss that. Go ahead and register. We might run out of spots again this semester like we did last semester. So we're in a series called what? Grit. Grit. And we're in week three. And the very first week, you might recall that I talked about grit is a, um, grit is a, 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 a characteristic that comes when we learn that we have to do life together. Who's our tribe? Remember that? Like how many of you are from the South? Southern people, come on, Southern people. How many of you are from the North? About, about even, even here at Durham. Can I just say to you Northern people, if you leave, live here, you are a very smart person. You're a very smart person to move down South and stay, if I might say so myself. But in the South, we enjoy these little white things for breakfast sometimes, and you put butter in them, and I don't put salt on anything I eat, Harley, I'm just saying, I I, I, I put pepper on everything I eat, I don't put salt on about anything, but on grits, I gotta have me some salt. Salt, pepper, and butter. How many of you like grits? Godly people, right there, godly people. How many of you like, what's the Northern thing? Cream of wheat? How many of you like that? Yeah, y'all need Jesus in a bad way. <laughs> but, but, but just check it out. If, you, if, you, if, you do have, if you've ever had grits, listen, there, there's no such thing as a grit. I mean, there is. But who's going to eat a grit? Grits are communal. Can I get an amen? And so on that weekend, on that first week, I talked about finding your tribe, which rooted is a great way to do that. But I also talked about it's not necessarily in the church, but you find the tribe that encourages you and challenges you. I encourage you that day to make sure your tribe is reliable. Go back and read 2 Timothy 1. Reliable people, not people who will sell you out, not people who will lie to you, not people who will stab you in the back. And I told you that you are the average of the top five people you hang out with. Remember that? It was all about finding your tribe, and we talked about Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken, is about 11 days away. And I said something that day in my message that wasn't even in my message, I just said it off the cuff, and it really got a lot of traction. I've heard so many comments from you, but I said, hey, between now and Thanksgiving, why don't you write down every day something for which you are thankful for? And so many of you have done that. And if you haven't done that, now's a good time to do it. You got 11 days left. You wanna see something change your outlook, change your attitude, make you a grittier person, get in the habit of offering thanksgiving. Get in the the habit of cultivating and developing an attitude of gratitude. And a good way to do that between now and Thanksgiving is every day just write down a thing or two that you're most grateful for. And my hope and prayer is that even when Thanksgiving is come and gone, you'll actually continue that habit. Last week, Mike Bro was in the house who taught a phenomenal message. Don't you love Mike Bro? Mike Bro taught a message last week and he gave us this equation. He said G plus R equals I-T. Remember that? G plus R equals I-T. And he unpacked it a little bit more. Write this down in your teaching notes if you weren't here, if you just need a reminder. Grace plus reliance on God. Remember, because he then juxtaposed that with self-reliance. So we, we're not into self-reliance. I know that's in the water we drink in America. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I'm a, I'm a self-made man. No, you aren't. You are delusional. I'm <laughs> just saying. Um, grace plus reliance equals internal toughness, internal grit. Today, we're going to be in 2 Timothy 2, Verses one through 13, if you love the word of the Lord, let me hear a strong amen, amen. 2 Timothy 2, one through 13. Now, I, I highlighted this book the very first week. You wanna get this if you haven't gotten it. Those of you who ordered it, I know we sold out that day, we've replenished the bookstore, so if you ordered it and you didn't get it last week, it's here, Angela Duckworth's book on Grit. I don't know if you're into TED Talks or not. She also did a TED Talk. You can just Google her name, TED Talk. It's one of the best talks on grit you'll ever find. But this is a phenomenal book. Uh, We've got some extras in the Resource Center, so you can grab that today if you would like. She says this in her book, and this is why this subject is so very important. Look at what she says. She says, we humans are always seeking to discover new ways to what? Success. But nowadays, we're hearing more and more about something of a rediscovery. After much research, it turns out that across all ethnic, socioeconomic, educational, and psychological demographics, one characteristic emerges as a significant predictor of success, namely, grit. And I will tell you just As a personal conviction, your grit is more important than your IQ. Your grit is more important than where you went to school. Your grit is more important than your pedigree. Your grit or lack thereof is more important than your looks. Grit is the greatest predictor. We are rediscovering. The scriptures have kind of always taught this. It's the greatest predictor of success. And if you, and I know you do, that's why you're here, that's why you're a good person. If you want to be successful in whatever you do, you want to lean in, learn how to figure out how to nurture and develop grit. Yes, some of you get it naturally, but we're discovering over and over and over. I hit this in week one, gave you a quote. You can go back and listen to it, that we're actually learning. Scientific data is showing that you can actually learn grit. You can develop that. And this is why Paul is teaching young Timothy about the importance of grit. This church in Ephesus is in trouble. There are false teachers who have come in and they start teaching heresy. I talked about that week one. Again, if you miss week one or two, you ought to go back and catch it online. And Paul knows that he, he's run the race. He's at the end of his race. He's handing the baton off to young Timothy. And he's teaching Timothy throughout the whole book. One of the most important things you can do, Tim, Timothy, is develop grit. He doesn't use that word, but he uses words like perseverance. That's grit. Endurance. That's grit. And we come across verses one through seven. The Bible says this. You then, my son. Again, this is Paul to Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, What he's getting ready to do, and I love today, because Paul is about to give us three analogies that are incredible in our pursuit of grit. The passage is just unbelievable. He says, first, join me in suffering. Anybody want to sign up for that? (laughs) I know we don't like to suffer, but one of the things in which we have to understand is we ought to stop asking God to get us out of hard times And start asking God to teach us what he's trying to reveal us in the hard times. Because in the hard times, he is shaping character. In the hard times, he's getting you ready for what will come down the road. Some of the false teaching that had seeped into the church back then, same as today, is if you just become a Christian, life is going to be wonderful and you're going to live on a bed of roses for the rest of your life. That is a lie straight from you nowhere. And so many people have balled into that. Then life smacks them upside the face and they realize, ooh, that's not my experience experience and they get disgruntled and discouraged with the faith. So Paul's letting Timothy, hey, join me in suffering. You're going to suffer. You're going to have hard times. Watch this. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, here's the second analogy, such good imagery here. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except if you got your bibles open, you need to underline this next part, except by competing, here it is, according to the rules. The rule breakers are like, darn, I don't like that. Okay, let's continue. Third analogy, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Then he says this, reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Three analogies, jot them down in your notes, in the margins of your Bible, whatever the case may be. One of the commentaries that I read by Layfield and Fee credible scholars, I studied under fee quite a bit at Duke, he says this, the opening verses in chapter two picture three qualities that should characterize Timothy. Strength, verse one, foresight, verse two, and endurance, verse three. Verses four through six contain three images, a military image, an athletic image, and an agricultural one that will teach us a lot. Now, let's just unpack these images today. I think it is so cool that on the Sunday after Veterans Day, the Bible says to us, learn from the soldiers. And I just want to take a moment, as I'm sure you do as well, and say thank you to the men and the women who serve our country <laughs> as soldiers. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Listen, freedom is not free. And we live in a great country, and we live in a great country because men and women defend this country. I'm not saying everything America does is great, but I am saying I thank God for the men and women who serve this country. And what Paul is saying is that if you'll just lean in, if you'll put your thinking caps on, if you'll study with me and if you'll work this analogy, there is really something powerful to learn from a soldier. Now, I'm not a, I'd I, I, I never imagined going into the military. I felt called into ministry very, very quickly after I became a Christian. I would not dare suggest that I am real familiar with the ins and the outs and the ways of military which is why I'm actually grateful for my son because in the last 3 years I have learned so much about the military. And I just want to show you my favorite soldier. Here's 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 my favorite soldier. That is one of my four boys. And since he's at college, I kind of just want to hug him, but I I can't. He's on the screen. But Wesley attends the um, military college of South Carolina called the Citadel. And the Citadel is a no games, um, all serious business military college. It is an incredible institution. He is a junior at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. And as I've watched him embrace upon this journey, I've learned a lot. For example, when uh, he got accepted into the freshman class three years ago, they accepted a little over 800 people. Within three months of his first year, the class was down to 500 because of this subject matter that I'm talking to you about today. And so in preparing this message, I said, Wesley, I need some help. I said, I need you to walk me through what it's like to be at the Citadel. What's your schedule like? How, how have you had to learn about grit? And uh, this is their daily schedule. Check it out, their daily schedule. 5.15, he wakes up every day. And by the way, you don't have a snooze button. 5.15. At 5.30, for those of you who are keeping up, that's just 15 minutes later. <laughs> 15 minutes later, you better be in formation ready for your first physical activity exercise of the day. They call it physical training. At 7.15, morning formation and breakfast. And at the morning formation and breakfast, you have to sit at the table. You know your mama told you don't put your elbows on the table. You gotta sit at the table at this really like unbelievable posture and you have to ask for the food and you have to ask permission for every bite and you have to lift it up a certain way to eat. Now he's got a twin brother <laughs> who I love and adore and he's very very different than Wesley. Successful in his own right, capstone scholar at the University of South Carolina. Benjamin would never do well at the Citadel. Benjamin and I walked through the Citadel and we were like there's no way we'd make it here. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way, man. So, which is why we just respect Wesley so much. So then uh, breakfast, 8 to 12, they have classes, 1230 to 115, leadership training program, 130 to 345, he has class, four to six, second workout of the day. They do two a day's. to 7.30, religious services. Uh, Did I skip? Oh, uh, 6 o'clock, formation and dinner. 6.30, religious services. 6.30, uh, I mean, 7.50 to 10.30, evening study period, mandatory. You have to study. You have to be in the barracks and studying at this time. And at 11 o'clock, personal hygiene and lights out. And you can't be going, you know what? I I think I want to watch a little Netflix. I don't think I want to go to bed right now. I mean, you... It's, it's lights out. Um, the, what blew my mind was the first year he was there, they did this thing called Hell Week. They called it Hell Week. And um, it was one of the most arduous, challenging times that I, I was actually worried about my son, and what he went through. As a freshman, one of the things you have to endure is this week where they physically and mentally try to break you down. Now, as I talk about these things, I want you to just keep remembered. Paul says, endure in suffering like a good soldier. They try to break you down. You learn new uniforms, rifles, books. In return, they take your hair, all of it. They start to work them hard, bracing this whole concept of the uh, 4th Battalion training. Uniform and room standards are high. Excellence in all areas is expected. Deviance from the standard results in frequent push-ups and swift corrections. Making a dramatic change requires grit. I asked Wesley, I said, Wesley, why don't you just tell me what you've learned in three years of being at the Citadel? And he said this. He said, Dad... You have to let yourself be challenged and uncomfortable. However, that is life. Life as a whole is challenging and a fight. Amen? He says pain, this is my boy, I'm so proud of him. He says pain, let me just say this real quick, this is so important for you to hear. I am not suggesting even for a moment that Wesley is a perfect kid. He's not. And I'm definitely not suggesting we are perfect parents. We are far from it. We have made all kinds of mistakes along the way. What I am simply saying is that Wesley has taught me more about understanding this biblical passage. He says, life as a whole is challenging and a fight. Pain is inevitable, but the suffering you endure is all in your mindset. He says, learning to accept the pain and roll with the punches each day will throw you at times, but it will build solid habits and character. He says, you can be a gritty person on your own, but there is nothing quite like the strength of the Lord holding you up and being your base. He says, you can stand taller and stronger on a rock prepared to face the waves of life that will come crashing on you. He says this, I'll skip a paragraph. He goes, it's a process. Grit is not a one-time thing. It's a personality trait. He says, it's a habit that you form much like your religion. Everyone has it in them. Do you believe that? Do you believe everybody has grit in them? Look at your neighbor and say, you got it. You got it. You got it. Sometimes we need somebody to tell us that. He says, everyone has it in them. You just, have to, you just have to know that it is not going to necessarily come easy. He says, just like becoming a Christian doesn't make things easier. However, it does make things more rewarding. He says, it is the same with grit. Just because you learn the trait of grit, this is a good word from my son. Just because you learn the trait of grit, things won't suddenly be easier. You will have something to look back on and say, look at what I have persevered through. If I can go through that, then I can go through whatever is challenging me now. And he ends with this. Nob year only took nine months. Nob year is their freshman year. But I'm still going through the same physical training, uniform standards, and routines as before. I've just gotten used to it, Dad. I've learned how to adapt to it and thrive. Yeah, I salute him too, I salute him too. But as I've been talking about embracing the hard times, it's in the bracing of the hard times that if you will let God shape you and transform you, then your new threshold for pain, your new threshold, for enduring the storms of life, you grow and you become such that the next time it hits you, you're just stronger and you can take it. That's the power of grit. And again, Paul says this, verse three and four, join with me in suffering like a what? Good soldier. Of Christ Jesus, no one serving a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. How many military people do we have in here? All the campuses, would you just raise your hand? You know what these people know? They know that if your commanding officer tells you to do something, if your commanding officer tells you to jump, you don't say, "Eh, I'm not feeling it. You say how high, and you jump. Now follow the analogy. Paul is saying, join with me in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus to please his or her commanding officer. The connection is very, very simple. God, as a Christian, God is our commanding officer. And God speaks to us. You need to hear this very clearly. God speaks to us primarily through his word. And so what many of us need to actually get in the habit of trying to cultivate and learn to do by sheer habit. And guys, we got a long way to go when it comes to this one. If God's word clearly says it, I'm going to do it even if it doesn't make sense to me. Even if inside of me everything says, I don't understand that. Even if everything inside of me says, Well, you know, God, I know your word said this, but you know what, God, I got a better idea. That would, <laughs> that would be like a soldier saying to his commanding officer, You know, I really don't want to do 100 push ups right now. Instead, I want to go get a cup of coffee from Starbucks. It's, it's kind of funny, you didn't even imagine. When will you, this is a sincere question, when will you in your Christian life decide with Holy Spirit resolve that when it comes to the issues of life, how you love your spouse, how you raise your children, what you do with your sexuality, how you work, how you interact with people. That regardless of what Benji thinks, <laughs> I'm going to put God's word in the front and center of my life. I'm gonna, this is why Rooted is so important. I'm going to learn this book. I don't mean I'm just gonna show up in church every week and listen to a message. But I'm actually going to become a student of the commanding officer's manual. I'm gonna learn it and I'm going to do it. To which you might say, well, what about those issues where things are not so clear in the scriptures? I get it, I'm a firm believer that if the scriptures leave things a little unclear, guess what, we need to be okay with some of that gray. But when it's black and white and it's clear in the scriptures, I'm going to follow, why? Because I want to follow the instruction and the guidance and the direction of my commanding officer. And I'm telling you, there've been times, don't, don't, don't romanticize me, I'm just like you. But there are times along the way, when I wanna do one thing, God's word clearly says another, even if I don't feel it, even if I don't necessarily agree with it, I'm going to trust that my commanding officer knows what is best for me, my family, and the church I love and serve. And that's what I'm going to do. That is what gritty followers of Christ Do And I love what Gordon Fee says. Another unbelievable, world-renowned New Testament scholar. Gordon Fee says this about the text. So powerful. He says, we have, they'll get to it in a moment, because I just jumped around a little bit, but it's Gordon Fee. These guys are amazing. Can you give it up for our productions team? We have an advantage over ordinary soldiers. For our commanding officer... It's completely trustworthy. That's a good place for an amen. Our commanding officer is completely trustworthy. Do you believe that? See, you gotta believe that in the core of your being. I mean, in, in the marrow of your bones, you gotta believe, because if, if you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna do it, his word says, regardless, you gotta believe that he's trustworthy. He will not abuse our loyalty to achieve Selfish ends, they continue, nor is he short-sighted in his planning or lacking information about his enemies. He will keep focused on the goal of fulfilling his mission of redemption. Now watch this. As we obey his commands, we will be moving toward, help me out, we will be moving toward Victory. victory. Gritty people, embrace the suffering that God brings their way. Embraces the suffering that sometimes God does not bring their way. Don't blame God for all suffering. Very important theological point. Sometimes sometimes people kind of blame God for things. Not long ago, I know a family who, who lost a a dear child. Let me make it more personal than that. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw this. The shootings, the school shootings in Santa Clarita in California this past week, four kids were shot. Three of them and the one that died was in my good friend's church. They were in a small group. They just didn't attend. I mean, they were dialed in. Three of the teenagers and the one that died Now, one day I'm gonna do a a sermon series on how to handle these kinds of things to make sure, because Christians can say some of the most ridiculous things on the planet. This is what what some Christians will say. Well, God must have just needed another angel in heaven. Don't blame God on that. Come on. Only the good die young. (laughs) Now, that's not in the Bible, beloved. That was in in an old school song that I used to love, by the way. We say some ridiculous things. God is not the author of suffering in this world. God has just given us free choice. And in the midst of humanity having free choice, bad things happen. But God will go with you through the bad things, bring you to victory if you learn to trust him and follow his Word, you have to be in the Word. Show me a Bible, come on. Show me a Bible that is falling apart and I will show you a life that is usually not. This book is our commanding officer's guide. Are you in it? Are you studying it? Are you in a life group? Will you go through root? It's so key. Second analogy, similarly, similarly, Paul says, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. How many of you, by by sheer nature, you're rule followers? You're such good people. (laughs) How many of you, by nature, are kind of rule breakers? You might think, I'm not, I'm not supporting you, and I'm actually raising my hand with you. <laughs> now I, re- <laughs> I realize that might not surprise some of you. Um, yeah, I, and I've had to work on that. I've had to work on that, as you know my story. But rules are important, not stupid, ridiculous, sometimes man-made rules. But can't you tell that's from a rule breaker? (laughs) Did you see what I just did? That is from a rule breaker right there. If my wife was here, she'd just be shaking her head. But I've had to grow in this area. And as you keep coming under the authority of Scripture and you study the Scriptures, it is so important. Athletic contests in the biblical days were a big deal. Like when Paul was writing Timothy, athletics were key, the Olympics were going on, it was a big deal. In Ephesus, which is where this church is, um, there are to this day, the ruins of some incredible athletic uh, stadiums. Let me show you a few. This is is the most amazing one. This is how you walk into the athletic stadium in Ephesus. I mean, if you ever get a chance to go to the Holy Land with us, go, it's unbelievable. Let's take them inside a little bit. This is where the games would unfold. They would have they had tracks out and about in different parts of, of Ephesus and fields where they competed, but this was the main central area. Look at this next one. This is pretty cool. This is how big their stadiums were. And they competed. And in the same way that rules are important today, rules were important back then. And it's a great reminder that if if we're going to pursue Christ, and we started out talking about becoming holy, if we're going to become holy, we learn to compete in the games of life according to the rules, even when we don't like the rules. Even when they don't make a lot of sense to us, we obey the rules. It is incredibly important. I don't know if, how many of you have heard. You, you'd have to have your head under a rock if you didn't hear about this. It happened in 2019. They call it the, the uh, 2019 college admission bribery scandal. Did, did y'all see this? And so here, here's a picture of, of these folks. These are some popular actors and such. And you might, you might know what happened. Basically, um, they were found guilty Uh, Rich and famous people, if you will, were found guilty for paying exorbitant amounts of money to get their privileged kids, if you will, admitted to prestigious colleges. And they're busted. And they're having to deal with the consequences of that. Happened in March of this year, and you still see it popping up on the news uh, on a regular basis. The, the point is, and I could give you example after example, I read this week about a woman who competed in the New York Marathon. Her name was Cindy. We'll leave it at that. I, I see some of you shaking your heads. You know about this one. So she competed in the New York Marathon. and uh, how many of you ran marathons? How? Many, show how many of you ran half marathon? That's my speed. I like half marathon. She ran a full marathon, and then when she was, got done, she started posting on Instagram and all her social media thing. Boy, I laid it out on the field, on the track today. Best score ever, you know, it was just so hard, but it was awesome. And there was this dude that was watching this on TV, and he knew that her time didn't seem reasonable. And so he started researching her and got his, his hands on all the camera shots and angles of the marathon. Lo and behold, she took her bib off gave it to a fast runner, he ran with her bib, and she claimed the results of the marathon. Now, we go, ah, but here's the deal. Cheating is just very popular. Cheating is very, very popular in our culture. Cutting corners. And the Christ followers, even if it doesn't come by nature, right? Speaking from experience, Christ followers have to die to self, learn to put that side aside and say, you know what? I'm going to follow God and I'm going to compete as an athlete according to the rules. Gritty Christians don't cheat. Gritty Christians don't cut corners. Gritty Christians compete according to the rules, And I know that can be a challenging, convicting word. But I sense kind of some transparency in the room right now. And so I would just say to you, as you read the word, this is is how you follow the instructions of the commanding officer. When you read something like that, and this is probably what's going on in the room right now, hopefully you're doing what I'm doing and you're thinking, "Ah, wonder where I might be cutting corners. Where where might... Where might I be cheating and how can I confess that, repent of that, turn toward Christ and follow him with a commitment to compete according to the rules? Found a video this week about athletics I thought you would enjoy. it. It's really, really good. Check this out.
1: Ask yourself this, do you have grit? Some people may say that grit is having the perseverance in the face of adversity, setbacks and failures. It's a combination of those things that create grit. It's about having this stamina quality, not just being passionate, but sustaining that passion for a long time. It's not just about the hours of work you put in, it's about the hardest kind of work. You need to concentrate on the things you don't know, identifying your own weaknesses and working on that. It's about being in a very uncomfortable place, some part of your day, working extremely hard, and then to get up and do it all over again. Grit can be the difference in becoming successful, because you will never give up and never run away when things get tough. Is the power of grit? Do you have it?
0: This is the power of grit. Do you have it? Why does everything always sound so much better when it's like an English accent? (laughs) Thus is the power of grit. Sign me up! (laughs) Paul says, and again, I love this passage today. I want you to keep working with these analogies this week. First, he says, join me in suffering like a what? Good soldier, you got it. Good soldier who, who follows the direction of the what? Commanding officer. As Christians, Christ is our commanding officer. Then he says, we compete like a what? like an athlete, according to the what? Come on, church, according to the rules. Everybody yell rules. Rules Rules are important. And then he ends with this. We work hard like a farmer, like a farmer, and we will receive a share of the blessings. Verse six of 2 Timothy to read it out loud with me really strong. Church, ready, go. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And this is, I know we're so city-fied here. Do we have any farmers here? Praise God. Any more? One? Any farmers? Any people grew up with farmers? Your parents were farmers? More hands. I'm sure the campuses, I'm just trusting that some of the campuses we have more farmers. You ever get around a good farmer, you know they are hard working people. Sun up, sundown, calluses on their hands, dirt under their fingernails. They're hard working. This is about work ethic. Paul says, listen. The hard-working farmer, work matters. And if I can just say so today, and again, this is not in my notes, but I just feel led to go here today. We live in a culture that is losing, I'm talking about America, Kenya campus, not talking about you right now, but in America, we're losing our work ethic. America is falling further and further behind when it comes to world relations, if you will. We are becoming a culture where everything is about entitlement. You owe me. Listen, nobody owes you anything. You need to get off your rear end and go get it. You say, well, that sure sounds mean. That's because you've drunk the water of entitlement. You might not notice, you know the Bible says this? If you don't work, Paul would say this in the New Testament. If you don't work, y'all know the Bible, right? You don't eat. You might say, that sounds cruel. Now, I'm not talking about those who can't work. I'm not talking about the Christian community reaching out and blessing those in need. But we have become a victim mentality culture where everybody is like you owe me and they feel entitled and as a result as Americans we've lost our edge we've lost our ability we've lost leading the world in a work ethic that is contagious that is exciting that is stewarding over your one and only life well and if I might say so myself is pleasing to God listen I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a professor at Harvard or you pick up trash on a trash truck in a subdivision. A hard day's work is admirable and honorable and God-honoring. This is not about earning income or prestige no no this is about just being a hard worker and i'll end with this because this is such good news paul says like the hard-working farmer and the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops As you become more and more gritty, as you become more and more like Christ, who, by the way, was the grittiest person to ever live, he wasn't a victim. He made that clear. He laid down his life for you and me. He went to the cross willingly. He was not a victim. He was a victor where he died on a cross and raised to new life. And there's something about this image that as we follow Christ, and as we embrace this concept of perseverance and endurance, which is just grit, that there's going to come a day. God, this is so exciting. There's going to come a day when you get to the end of it all, and you see Christ face to face, And you look into his eyes, his loving, caring, gracious eyes that's full of truth. And you stand for what the Bible says, before the judgment seat of Christ. And you, if you are a born again child of God, you will step into a place called heaven forever. The Bible says that you will receive a crown, an eternal crown crown of glory, where you will walk the streets of gold. You will be with Christ and the saints of all time, and you will receive an internal, eternal glory that shall never fade. I love what I see right now. You say, well, where do you get that from in this text? Just keep reading. Why don't we read it out loud together? Look at this next verse seven. Ready? Go. Reflect on what I am saying. Stop right there. This is a message that I hope you leave here today and you keep reflecting on. I hope you do that every Sunday. Can I get an amen? Please don't think that your Christian diet or consumption of God's word should be confined to a 40 or 45 minute message on Sunday. Come on now, feed yourself from the commanding officer on a regular basis. And Paul says to us, so I just wanna camp out on it for a moment, I hope you work this some more. I hope you get in 2 Timothy 2 a little bit more. I hope you work these three analogies of the soldier, of the athlete, of the farmer. He says right here, reflect on what I am saying. For the Lord, let's go, ready? For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead Descended from David, this is my gospel. Let's continue out loud, really strong, church. For which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not changed. Therefore, stop. I've said this before, but whenever you come across a therefore in the Bible, you should ask yourself, what is it therefore? And so Paul has laid out three images that we've talked about today. He says, therefore, All that I've said thus far, if you want to be a gritty person, if you want to be a winner, if you want to go at life and and really become who God wants you to be, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with, say it again, with eternal glory. There will come a day when your heart, and maybe you can feel it beating right now. There will come a day when your heart will have its final beat. I know it's not something that you get excited about, but hear me, I hope one day you will. Do you know that you can actually grow in your faith to the point where you no longer fear death? I'm amazed at how many people walk around terrified that they're going to die. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know, but... The longer I live, the more I actually realize the way God has orchestrated this beautiful thing called life, when you live it with grit and you live it to his glory and honor with every passing year, if you get to be one of those who lives a long life, you actually go from fearing death to actually looking forward to seeing God face to face one day. Come on, anybody here ever feel a little homesick? I don't mean for your hometown. I mean, where you know and you know that this is not your permanent location, that you know that one day you're gonna see God face to face and you know that this world is not it and that there's something inside of you like a migratory bird flying south in the fall. There's something inside of you that longs deep within to see God face to face one day. If you are a child of God, again, there's gonna come a day when your heart's gonna beat for the last time. Your lungs are gonna empty oxygen for the last time. Barring the return of Christ, I will die and so will you. The psalmist puts it like this in chapter 89, verse 48. Who can live and not see death? Who can escape? The power of the grave? Answer no one. Young and old, good and bad, rich and poor, neither gender is spared, no class exempt. Julius Caesar died, John Kennedy died, Elvis <laughs> left the building for good. Princess Diane died. We all die. Hebrews would put it more bluntly. Hebrews would tell us people are destined to die once. Don't you believe any of that reincarnation? I'll just say stuff. We are all destined to die once. Once. You can exercise all you want. You can eat healthy food all you want. And we should. You should stay out of the sun, refrain from too much alcohol, stay off the drugs, do your best. You will still die. But listen to me, and I'm done. In our culture, death can seem like such a dead end, if you will. But for the child of God, come on, for the Christian, for the person who knows Christ Jesus, when you die, you will stand before Almighty God, who is, as we sang about earlier, He is holy. But if you are in Christ, He will look at you and He will say, well done, good, and faithful servant, and you will step straight from this world into a place called heaven forever. So whatever you do, develop your grit. As I said, she said, keep preaching. Sister, I wish they all felt like that. Some of them are getting hungry. But it's why I said on the first week, and it is worth repeating here again, do not quit. Find your grit. Do not quit. Whatever it is you're thinking about throwing in the towel on, don't you do it. Study grit. Get in the Word. Become the grittiest person you can be. But here's the good news. Keep your eyes On the prize, which is eternity for, come on church, eternity forever, where there will be no tears, there won't even be a sun or the moon, go read Revelation 21 or 22, because there doesn't need to be a sun, S-U-N, come on, because the sun, S-O-N, is illuminating heaven forever, praise His Holy name. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. God, as a teacher and a communicator, I love, 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 love your word. Love this particular passage, oh God, where you give us these three analogies that we can just keep working and we can actually obey scripture as we continue to reflect on this. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go with these, your beautiful people. Father, you would give them the grit that they need to finish the course, to fight the good fight. God, that you would give them eternal blessings and favor so that when they see you one day, it will be good. We love you today, oh God, we honor you. We give you our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.